This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. How are you all doing tonight? So good to see you. Thank you so much for coming, being a part of the service this evening. Hallelujah. We've been talking about the subject of faith. I love to teach on faith. Thank God for faith. Amen. Amen. Changes people's lives. So we're going to delve into that a bit more this evening and uh, get into it. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Praise God. Y'all bring your Bibles with you? Let's open our Bibles again to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We're using this as our text for this particular series of lessons anyway, talking about faith, what it is, how it works. Hallelujah. Praise God. A lot of different ideas about faith. Well, we're just going to find out what the Bible has to say. And and I don't remember where this was or where I even talked. Maybe it was with you guys. Charles Caps, you know, he went on to be with the Lord here some time ago. You know, he got up into uh, quite a few years. He was an aviator, loved planes. He had uh, he had a big cabin class 401. He had a uh, a Beechcraft uh, uh, A36. I mean, the guy loved planes and flew planes. So I like him. You know, I mean, you know, what's not to like about a guy like that? And uh, lived down there in Arkansas, and uh, he. Uh, um, Bought a big old track of land and bought a bunch of caterpillars and excavators and earth movers and stuff like that. Spent the latter days of his life developing this thing, just having a big time with a caterpillar. That sounds like fun, too. Makes me like him all the more. Hallelujah. Well, one of the things that I remember, uh, <clears throat> you know, as a young man, I mean, uh, just getting started in all this, of course, Charles was one of the premier, I guess you would say, or nationally known uh, speakers amongst the Word of Faith people, at least. And uh, he says, tonight, he says, we're going to clean out all the cobwebs in your mind. And then he said, and when we get done, we're going to kill all the spiders that made them. Hallelujah. So tonight, we're going to work on that a little bit tonight. Would that be all right with you? Amen. Let's pray together. We'll get into the Word. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to behold wonderful things from your living Word. And we thank you the entrance of your Word gives light. It illuminates our heart, our mind. And Father, I'm asking you to help us to have an understanding of what it is, Father, that you've said. May we understand the spirit of what it is that you have spoken so that we can apply it to our lives, Father. And not only that, but obviously see transformation and change within our lives because of it. And so we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Notice with me, if you would, in verse 1, it says that faith, now faith, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that we do not see. Verse 6 but without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. Yeah, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I am so glad as a 19-year-old kid when I gave my heart to Jesus that I discovered that Jesus and God the Father were rewarders. I didn't know God that way before. Matter of fact, all I'd been taught is a bunch of religion, and I don't think they knew much. But, you know, of course, you know, when you're a sinner, you know, and not a saint, uh, you, you have this sense that uh, um, you're not in the best favor with the creator of heaven and earth. And so, thank God, I was so glad to give my heart to him, praise God, and be born again and receive not only everlasting life, but forgiveness and to be ushered into the family of God, hallelujah, to become a child of God, and that there was no more guilt, no more shame, no more 
condemnation, you know, that comes along with uh, being outside of the plan of God. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, there might be a lot of things going on in your life that ain't working out too good, but that part right there is pretty good. Amen. If nothing else goes right, at least we can thank God for that. Well, anyway, so if you've been with us during these week, uh, midweek services, you know we've been talking about the subject of faith, how it works, what it is, probably more so than, than anything, is to understand what biblical faith is. And many of the things that people describe as faith, um, well... Uh, it really isn't faith at all, especially in a biblical sense. It's, it's really more foolishness and presumption. And so, you know, growing in your relationship with God is a process. And, and that process is tied to the knowledge of God. The more of the knowledge of God that you gain and you come to understand, the better or the higher that you go. Does that make sense to you? You know, and, and you know, when Paul was writing in one, on one occasion, he said, I, my prayer is that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. A lot of folk got a lot of knowledge, but they ain't too wise about it. You know what I'm saying? So we want the whole package. We want everything that comes along with it. And um, <clears throat> so again, you know, a lot of times people, you know, when they talk about faith, it's really not faith at all, many times again. And we're going to talk quite a bit about the uh, uh, the idea of it being more foolishness and presumption than real faith tonight. And I'll give you a couple examples. I'm going to use myself, unfortunately, as one of those examples. And, uh, but, you know, I guess if we can learn something, hallelujah. Always remember, as I'm talking about me tonight, it was a mistake of the head, not the heart. Thanks for your excitement. Okay. So anyway, one of the things that we talked about was the simple fact that biblical faith is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's a way of living. It's, ba it's a lifestyle that's based upon the Word of God. Now, again, before I was saved, the Word of God had no influence in my life whatsoever. Just like many today, they become godless, and there's no influence of the Word. When it comes to morality and things of that nature, there's nothing that holds people back uh, from their, their base uh, carnal cravings to do whatever it is that they do, because God's not in there. It's, he's not in the equation. You know, well, then when I got saved, of course, you know, all of a sudden the Bible came alive and all of a sudden I realized that if I was going to have any success at all, I was going to have to do life his way. So that's really what we're talking about. You know, again, that, you know, we talk about biblical faith. It's a lifestyle based upon the word of God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's the source for your faith to grow and develop and be all that it can be. And, you know, in another there's, a, there's actually four different places where the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And I'll just give those to you. Habak uh, depends on how you pronounce it. Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you pronounce it. 2 verse 4, it says this, it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up in, uh, which is lifted up is not right in him, but the just shall live by faith. That's where we come up with the idea that it is a lifestyle, a way of living. The Apostle Paul said, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's in Romans 1 and 17. In Galatians 3 and 11, it says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for or because, again, the just 
shall live by faith. And then finally in Hebrews 10 and 38, the Bible says, now the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. There it is again. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So people who live by faith, listen to this, people who live by faith choose to live a lifestyle in accordance with and obedience to the Word of God. It's really, really just that simple. In other words, I have decided that the Word is the final authority, that it is God speaking to me, and if I got a brain in my head, I'm going to do what He says. Hallelujah, because he knows how to do life. Now, we could give you, you know, another definition. I mean, in its simplest form, really, faith is acting on what you believe. People, now, so, so we're going to make, we're, we're, we're not just going to talk about faith, foolishness, and presumption, but we're also going to make a distinction between faith and belief, because they're not the same. And we'll, we'll discuss that as we go along here. But, but, let me say this again to you. Faith is acting on what you believe. Now, what you believe might be totally wrong, but a lot of people do a lot of things because they believe it's the truth. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, whether it's in a practical kind of way, a biblical kind of way, whatever, faith is acting on what you believe person could walk up to a cliff and say, well, you know what? I believe that if I jump off here, nothing will happen. Well, they might believe that, but I can tell you right now, we're going to be, you know, using a spatula to, you know, pick them up. You understand where I'm coming from? So <clears throat> again, faith is acting on what you believe. Now, listen, when, when John was writing his, uh, his uh, gospel, and when he came to the conclusion of that in John chapter 20 and verse uh, 31, he said, but these things are written. Everybody say written. These things are written and they're written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you might have life. How many of you know God wants to give you life and life more abundant? But you can't have life and life more abundant if you don't believe the Bible. Are you listening to me? Well, you know, my circumstance is this, or I was raised this way, and so I've been led to believe this or that or the other. Well, that's all right. That's okay. I'm asking you to change. I'm asking you to think and believe differently than maybe the way that you were raised, because that leads you into the path of life. Read it with me again. It says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So <clears throat> let's talk about defining our terms a little bit more, talking about what faith is and giving definition to faith. Now, I, 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 I use this because people, I guess, at least religious people, are, are familiar with the term. If I'm going to talk to someone about finding out whether they're saved or not, I'll ask them, are you a person of faith? Okay? And they will, and they, you know, they might say yes, or, you know, or I believe in God, or I belong to this church, or whatever. But, you know, in other words, there's some affirmation in the context of that, you know? And so their definition of faith is, well, I believe in God, 
or I belong to this church or whatever the case might be. But, but from, a, from a, 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 a pure definition, faith, you know, is not a denominational preference. Did you hear me? Okay. I could take it a little bit further. You know, people, you know, you, you probably heard this term, uh, of what faith are you? Well, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Catholic, I'm a whatever, I'm a whatever, I'm a... But that really doesn't define biblical faith or what, what the Bible d- uh, refers to as that. And, and the fact of the matter is, is when we, when we speak in those terms, it's really, it's, it's, it's a misnomer. In other words, we're, we're, we're using definitions that don't really define faith from a biblical standpoint. Do you understand what I mean by that? In other words, you know, it's, it's the wrong name. It's the wrong designation. Yet people do it all the time, you know? And so uh, uh, it's just, a, again, a mis- misuse of the word. And uh, because the biblical word for faith doesn't describe a domin- denomination, <laughs> a denomination. It doesn't describe a church. It doesn't describe a, a religion. See, are you a person of faith? Well, I'm a Hindu or whatever, you know. Well, you could, you could say in a generic sense, you know, by definition, you know, they say, well, I'm a Hindu. So they're, they are ascribed to that quote unquote faith. But it's not Bible faith. It has nothing to do with Bible faith. This is Bible faith right here. Okay. And so it's important for us to understand that because, um, you know, well, it's like one, and I'm, you know, I didn't really think about this, but it's so very, very true. There's an individual who made this statement. It says, we have made a religion out of Christianity. We made a religion out of it. You know, we got all kinds of denominations, you know, that aspire to or espouse quote unquote Christianity, but Christianity is not a religion. It's a person the Lord Jesus Christ, and you having a relationship with him. They were first called Christians at Antioch. Are you listening to me? So, and, I, I, and the reason, again, that I'm, I'm kind of drilling down on this is because you got to be careful about what you believe. Right. Well, you know, you're, you're getting pretty, you know, you're trying to split hairs here. No, I'll tell you exactly what I'm trying to do. I want you to understand exactly what Bible faith is so that you can use it in its appropriate application and it can work for you and bring change in your life, okay? If we're just all over there in a place, you know, and we're not specific about some of our terms, uh, well, we can just end up in a place that we don't want to be. So, again, faith is acting on what you believe, And that means that we need to be careful about, because here's the thing, you guys, what you believe is what you're going to act on, good or bad. Like I said, the guy jumping off the cliff, not a good idea. But if he believes it and does it, well, what about it? So again, what you believe is what you're going to act on. And what you act on is what you're going to get. Okay? And then finally, if if you don't want the wrong thing, then I suggest you better act on the right thing. And that's why we're here tonight, so that we can do that. Again, your acting is based upon what you believe, right or wrong. You know, with the nation of Israel, 10 spies said, we can't do it. Two of them said, we sure can. And the difference was somebody died, a bunch of them died, and two of them lived. Are you with me? 
based upon what they believed. And fortunately, Joshua and Caleb said, we're able, we're well able. You know, Caleb said, we're well able, hallelujah. You know, I'm sure the other guys looked at him and said, what planet did you get, you know, come from? But yet, the reason that he was so convinced or fully persuaded is because Moses said that God had spoke to him and said, I've given you the land. Caleb said, I'm in. I'll tell you one thing about Christianity. It does take um, some gumption to be a believer, to act on the Word of God. It requires it, as a matter of fact. Hallelujah. And so, of course, when we talk about believing, you need to understand this also. It's, it's a matter, believing is of the heart. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're not talking about what you believe in your head. We're talking about what you're for fully persuaded of down here. Are you with me? You know, like, again, Jesus made the statement, whosoever shall say shall not doubt in his what? Where? In his heart. Not his head, but he said, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, you know, again, it's acting on what it is that we believe, and, and uh, you're, that's, that's what it is. Now, take Thomas for an example. We, we used him as an example earlier, but, you know, the, uh, the disciples, they said, we've seen him. The Lord, he appeared to us. He's alive. And so Thomas responds this way. He said, um, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of those nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will, what? Not believe. Now, I always say this. We got to give this guy some, 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 some grace because he watched the Romans take his savior and his master and hang him on a tree. He watched him die. Okay. So it wasn't looking good from a natural standpoint, but the failure that, 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 that Thomas made was, is he did not believe what Jesus said. In other words, what was written of him. Okay. So I I get it. You know, the physical circumstances of that, circum- of that situation would have been overwhelming. And yet his, those closest to him said, we've seen him. And he said, no, unless I see him, I ain't believing nothing. So as you go on reading then, you know, Jesus showed up and he said, Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side and be not what? Faithless, but believing. He said, Thomas, because you've seen, you believe, but blessed are they that have not seen, and yet they do believe. So he said, don't be faithless, in other words, without faith, but believing, hallelujah. And uh, so we can, we can learn from that. So uh, here's a negative example. I, you know, I was trying to think about how can I unpack this in a way that you maybe would understand this, but... I'm talking about the fact that faith is acting on what you believe. And let's just say that we take an individual that's, they become increasingly depressed, despondent uh, about their lives, and, and they've come to the place where they believe that their life isn't worth living, that they're no good, you know, all these kind of, it's just been this harassing, haranguing, constant you know, feeding of their thought life about how no good they are. 
Well, you know, when they start out, maybe they're doing okay, you know, and they kind of resisted a little bit and this and that and the other. But it just keeps, if there's nothing to replace that, that, you know, then obviously they're going to continue on in that. And if they do so, then it could become even, because here, believing the accuser of the brethren, accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the brethren. You know, the angels, man, when they were dealing with the devil, they said, the Lord rebuke you. Shut up. Are you with me? But believing the accuser of the brethren can lead to this guilt, this despair, this discouragement. All of it's from hell. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that, again, I said that faith, whether it be positive or negative, is acting on what you, what? believe. So if you continue to entertain these thoughts and do all of these things, then it can actually lead to a place where you could even take your own life and people do it. But it's a lie. In other words, they believed the wrong thing. And so consequently, the, you know, you end up with the result. Well, on the positive side, thank God for the positive. Amen. You know, you can believe the word of God and what it is that's written. And you can start embracing that and feeding on that and overdosing on that and letting that dwell in you richly. And I tell you what, it'll change your attitude. It'll change your heart, change your mind, change a lot of things. Amen. Now, I will say this, that it's not something that's necessarily casually going to come to you. There has to be a diligence and a determination on your part that you're going to get your mind renewed to the Word of God and you're going to believe the Bible and not all the junk. Are you listening to me? And so there's nobody that can do that but you. Look with me, if you would, in James chapter 2. James, the second chapter. And notice this verse of Scripture with me. It's familiar, I know, to many of you. But notice with me in verse 20. James chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, but will you know, O man, <laughs> O vain man, actually, it says that faith without works are what? Dead. In other words, if there's no corresponding action to uh, what you call faith, then guess what? It ain't going to happen. Actually, the reality is, is that your faith is the action, you know, of what it is that you believe. Another translation literally says, faith without corresponding actions will not work on your behalf. Faith, you say you have faith. But faith without any corresponding action is not going to work. You can sit and believe and believe and believe. I think about, you know, when Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 14, the Bible says that he was there in Lystra. There was a man that was impotent in his feet and never walked. And the Bible says that Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. He had what? Faith to be what? Healed. But in that moment, was the man healed? No. He's still right there where he always had been. But yet, thank God, Paul gave the command of faith and said, stand upright on your feet. In other words, he knew by the Spirit of God, the guy had faith to be healed. Obviously, that came from what he heard Paul speak. Huh? And so, thank God, I mean, right in that moment, boom, a guy gets healed by the power of God in that moment because he believed what was written or said, in this case, what Paul had spoken so again, faith is acting on what you believe. But again, you can believe a lot of things, but if you don't act on what you believe, it ain't never going to happen. 
It won't come to pass. There'll be no fruition to it. And so it's important, praise God, for us to understand that. Our actions and speech have to uh, correspond with our faith. And I say that because of this. You'll hear people, oh, I believe in healing. But when you get them in a conversation, they're talking about their arthritis and my knee and this, that, you know, I got. In other words, they've taken something that isn't theirs because Jesus himself took their infirmity and bore their sickness. Do you understand that? Okay. Now I know it's common. It happens all the time, but if it's not yours and he redeemed you, you shouldn't talk like it's yours. In other words, you have to stand against or resist whatever. And again, I'm not in denial of something that you may be dealing with. I'm denying it's right to stay in my body. You understand the difference? People say, well, you're a nutcase. No, if you understand the concepts of faith, it's just like when Jesus was there, a guy came, you know, and said, Lazarus is sick, near, he's about to die. And he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. But you know, Lazarus died. But guess what? Jesus raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. You know, he didn't, raise, he didn't throw up his hands. So, oh my God, what are we going to do? I wasn't there. That's not what he did at all. So all I'm saying is, is that when we deal with these things, uh, maybe I ought to do that right now. Yeah, I guess I should. Okay, um, um, let me get over here to the latter part of my uh, uh, things. We're changing gears. Talking about healing. You know, people say, well, I don't understand why I haven't received my healing. I know God promised to heal me. Now, what if I were to say to you, God didn't promise to heal you? You would say, hmm, he didn't. And I would, and I, and, and here's the thing about this, you guys, when you talk about faith, there are just, there's, there's certain nuances, there's certain subtleties that keep people from receiving what belongs to them. The fact of the matter is, God did not promise to heal you, okay? And you say, he didn't? I understand. Notice with me, Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Now, is that past, present, or future? Past. Himself what? Took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses when he went to the cross at Calvary. Now, let's look at another verse, 1 Peter 2 and 24. Who his own self bore or bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Now listen, by whose stripes you, what's that next word? Were healed. That's past tense, right? So my point to say all of that is, is that these scriptures are not promises. They are statements of fact. Okay? They're not promises. The promise has already been fulfilled. So they're statements of fact, and they tell us something that has already happened. 
So that's why, you know, when we're in need of healing, the Bible tells us, well, believe that you receive it and you'll have it, okay? So we're believing that we received what has already been provided for us in redemption, and we stand against, you know, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Sickness and disease is from hell. So it's our responsibility not to take it, but to resist it, all right? And so in that context, it positions ourselves. And, and that's the thing, you know, people don't understand the nature of faith and what faith is because it, faith believes that it has received. With me? Hopefully that's clear. Hallelujah. But here's the deal. If people don't see or they don't feel a change, then, well, I guess I, I didn't receive it. And nothing could be further from the truth, you guys. You know, so they go by the natural and they miss out on it. Um, Brother Hagen tells a story about a woman. She'd been in a wheelchair, I think, for over four years. And um, so she was in a prayer line and, um, and the anointing was there to heal. And so he said, uh, he, he's going to lay hands on her. And he said, the Lord will raise you up. And so he prayed for her. As soon as he got done, she, made, she started saying, oh, please, please heal me, Lord. Please let me walk. Oh, please, 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 please. And he tried to stop her, and she got louder and louder and louder with this, you know, request, if you want to call it that. She was missing the whole point of what faith is. She was asking God to do something that he already had done. You understand the difference? Okay, well, when he did that, he literally had to shout her, yell at her to get her to stop and told her in a meeting to shut up. Well, when he did, he lost the congregation. They got mad at him and he knew it right away. So he just stopped and he said, now just sit there for a minute and I'll be right back. And he started talking to the congregation because he had to get them with him again. And so he explained, you know, the, the whole circumstance as it was. And then <clears throat> he finally got them to get back on the, you know, it's kind of like, I think the way he described it is, is, you know, somebody's run down a road 100 miles an hour and you know that there's a, 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 a bridge that's out. You're going you're gonna to try to stop them, you know, and you're going to do everything you can. So why? So that they don't end up going off the cliff. That's all he was trying to do with the woman. She was heading the wrong way. So he took 1 Peter 2.24, um, and he said, now read this scripture to me. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So when he did that, he asked her, is that past, is that present, or is that future? And she says, well, it's, it's past. It's past tense. And um, so he just asked her, doesn't that mean that you are healed if it's past tense? And she said, well, yes, 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 it does. He said, then lift your hands toward heaven and begin to thank him because you are healed. And this woman stopped right there and said, Father, I am so glad that by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed. I'm so tired sitting in this thing. And I now, that, now know that I don't have to sit in it again. I'm so thankful that you did. And she went on, she's praising God. Well, then Brother Hagin said, well, let's praise him, praise God with her. So everybody's praising God. And he said, now my sister, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. And the woman got up out of the chair and walked away and pushed the, the chair away herself. Hallelujah. 
See, and, and so you see where she was, she was back here wanting God to heal her and not realizing that he already had. So when our faith gets in the right spot, it's going to make a difference where it is. Does that make sense to you? You know, and it'll help you uh, in understanding that there's things that God has already promised. There, it's a statement of fact. It's not something that we're trying to get in, in the context of what I just described to you there. Hallelujah. Praise God. I got blessed just telling you that. Amen. Amen. So now, <clears throat> I mentioned to you earlier that our actions and speech have to respond with our faith. And, and I'm going to tell you my story because mine was not faith. It was foolish and it was presumptuous. And I'm not proud of it, but I'm just using it as an example because praise God, I did learn. Okay, but but here's here's this here's the way this goes down. Um, <laughs> I I entitle this looking for a way out. Okay, and uh, what I was looking for a way out of is the job I was in. I worked for uh, a couple that owned a grocery store and trainer, and God put me there. I later learned as a trophy so that the world could see what Jesus and His supernatural power could do to turn a person's life around. But I didn't like stocking shelves. I didn't like carrying out somebody's groceries. And I didn't, do a lot, I didn't like a lot of other things that I ended up having to do. It was, you know, you could say beneath my dignity. <laughs> but it was a job. Hallelujah. But I didn't like it. So I'm always looking for a way out. So a guy that I uh, went to school with came into the store and he says, hey, we need to start a construction company. And I said, you know, um, yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. But... Um, Remember, I don't like what I'm doing. And when you don't like what you're doing, you're looking for a way out. And so the unfortunate part about it is, is this guy wasn't even a believer. So I started taking counsel. And you got to understand, I'm not very, I, I, I don't even know, I don't know if I'm six months old in the Lord. I, I can't, I, I need to find out what that was, you know, the time frame of that, timeline of that. <clears throat> so anyway, but he kept coming in and bugging me. And every day that he came in, I liked my job less, you know. So I talked to uh, one person. I said, what do you think about this? And he said, well, partnerships can be shaky. That's, that's, that's what he s said to me because it's like getting married, you know. And um, so I said, okay, that's good, you know. And then I talked to another person. No, I didn't really talk to him. I read the Bible. <laughs> Imagine that. It says, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever for what, right, what does righteousness have to do with unrighteousness? I mean, I knew what the Bible said. But like I said, a lot of times we want certain things and we'll do things that we shouldn't do even, you know, when we know we shouldn't. Now, don't look at me in that tone of voice because you've all been there too. Come on, you know. So I became a partner. And it was a disaster. Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. You know, lasted nine months. And then um, I, I realized that we were on completely different pages about what it is. And, and, and the thing about it is, the reality is, you guys, because I didn't like where I was, I ended up being deceived. You know? So I get into a partnership and a relationship with this guy, and, and it, it causes problems. And um, so I ended up being deceived there. But I'm still growing. Remember, it's a mistake of the head, not the heart. 
Thank you. So this isn't going to work. So um, I'm reading the Word. I'm studying the Bible. I'm a Word of Faith man. Hallelujah. Faith man all over the place. And I come across some teaching that says the just shall live by faith. I said, hallelujah. I'm going to live by faith. That means the ravens are going to bring me bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And guess what? That didn't happen. And pretty soon all my savings was gone. Then I'm mooching off of everybody else, sponging off them, living off them. I'm, I'm being a reproach on the body of Christ. Remember this a long time ago. I'm still 19, 20 years old. I'm, you know, I've learned something since then. Hallelujah. So, so I'm talking to you about how deceptive things can be, the deceptive nature maybe <laughs> of not liking what you're doing. It's okay not to necessarily like what you're doing, but don't move until he tells you. Okay? That, that's the difference. So, so I'm disgruntled, uh, you know, and plus now, by golly, I am really going to be a spiritual man. Hallelujah. I'm living by faith. I was a clown, dude. That's what I was. You know, it's nothing more than spiritual pride. It was stupid. And everybody around me knew it. Even my girlfriend could figure this one out. You know? But, again, you know, I love Jesus. And I, I mean, I, I really thought that what I was doing was right. It was spiritual. So somehow or another, when the savings run out, I was sponging off everybody and all that, I went to Brookings, South Dakota, and I, for the life of me, I can't, I can't remember why I even went. And I ended up in a, I think it was, I thought at first it was like some kind of commune, you know, I mean, these people were really different, okay? I, I think I learned that basically it probably was a home church, so they had maybe 10, 6, 8, 10, maybe a dozen families, you know, and they were really tight. And they had church, and I ended up in one of their deals one night, and somehow or another I probably, you know, shared with them what I was doing. And one of the men, thank God, I don't know who this guy is. When I get to heaven, I'm going to talk with him because I love that guy. He pulled me off. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't dress me down in the middle and make an embarrassment out of me or anything like that. And he says, hey, he says, can I talk to you a minute? This was after, excuse me, everything's over with. He says, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure, you bet, baby, whatever. Hallelujah. And so he takes me to the scriptures and he shows me uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8 that if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. I've never seen that scripture before. And then he takes me a little, you know, takes me back a ways to 2 Thessalonians, I think it's in 3 and 11, it says that, that if you don't provide for your own, that you're worse than an infidel, you know. And I looked at them scriptures. I said, by golly, they're in there. How about that? You know, thank God for the word. So I said, I'm going home, go to work. Smartest thing I ever did. As a matter of fact, I drove home Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, went into my house, and I don't know if it was an hour or whatever, and the phone rings, and it's my old employer. He says, would you like to come back to work for me? I said, I believe I would. And I tell you, I drove a stake in that store and I said, praise God, Father, I'll stay here till Jesus comes if that's what I'm supposed to do. Because you know, I went through a whole lot of stuff and like I said, brought a reproach. I mean, it was just dumb, okay? I, was, I meant well 
And I thought that what I was doing was going to please God, but it wasn't God at all. Does that make sense to you? So that, that, that just tells you, you know, that I, again, I thought it was faith, uh, but my believing was wrong. It was just wrong. And so it kind of screwed things up. There are just these subtle deceptions um, that, that can get us in trouble um, because in this case, my believing was wrong. Now, remember I gave you a definition that said that faith is acting on what we what? Believe. Faith is acting on what we believe. So about 10 days ago, my wife, she said to me, she had a request. You know, the Bible says, you know, uh, make your request known unto God. So I'm God. She's making the request. It's my analogy. Uh, where I'm going will be okay and I won't be in trouble. Okay? So... She makes a request, just like we make requests, right? I have a need, so I'm going to make a request. She had, a, I don't know if it was a need or not, want, maybe better. She says, pick up some vanilla bean ice cream when you're in town. Of course, I got no problem with that. Hallelujah, you know. Huh? No, it was for us. It was her request, you know. Just go with me on this. So we have a request. Jesus said, what things soever you ask in my name, I will do it. That's what the Bible says, right? You know, therefore, what things soever you desire, when you pray or request, you know, believe that you receive them, you'll have them. So she said, would you pick up some ice cream? Now, she did say just, just buy one tub, but I bought two. Hallelujah. <laughs> as long as I'm there, you know. And so anyway, then I came home. And we have a freezer there in our garage. And so I just, you know, when I came home, had a few other grocery items and things like that. I just took the ice cream, put it in the freezer, and brought the rest of the stuff in. She said, did you get the ice cream? I said, I sure did. Now, she's never seen the ice cream. But she did ask me to get the ice cream. And when, I, when she also asked me the question, did you get it? I said, yes, I did. Now, remember, I'm God. Okay? Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you're seeing, you'll have them. Amen? Whatever you ask my name, I'll do it. Okay? Now, she's never seen the ice cream. But I told her that I got the ice cream, and it's in that freezer out there in the garage. Are you with me? Now, my point to saying all this is that because she hadn't seen it, but if she believes what I said, now remember, faith, by definition, is acting on what you believe. So if she believes what I have said, all she has to do is get up, go out into the garage, open that baby up, and get the ice cream, right? But now on the other hand, if she doesn't have corresponding action to what I told her, she is going to be no closer to enjoying that vanilla bean than I'm an astronaut. Okay, so in other words, it exists, it's real, it belongs to her, but she has to act on what it is that she, there has to be a corresponding action to what she believes. And I'm, I'm happy to tell you all, we've made that happen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. She got this, she got, she made, she put up a bunch of strawberries this summer. 
and froze them. And man, when you thaw those puppies out, kind of put the, oh yeah, wow. That's better than a root beer float. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, so here's the thing, <laughs> not to get off subject here, but here's the thing. You know, it's, the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Never be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with what? Why are you going to thank God? Because you asked him. In other words, when she, she asked me the question, did you get the ice cream? And I said, yeah, I sure did. And she said, thank you. That's what we're to do in our relationship with God. Now, this is a natural application, but spiritually it works the same way. Father, I just want to thank you, praise God, because you provided for every need I'll ever have. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, and so you can go on down the road that way and, and get it. Now, <laughs> now, here's another side of that. If she doesn't really believe me, you know, if, I, if, if she said, get the ice cream, I said, yeah, I got it, I'll get it. And then she says, did you get the ice cream? And I tell her, yeah, I did. And she doesn't believe me. Guess what? She's not going to enjoy the ice cream. Why? Because she don't believe it's out there in the freezer. It's the same thing. So there's two different things going on here. If I believe, I got to act. If I don't believe, I'm never going to get what I want. Okay? And the same thing's true when it comes to our faith toward God. So the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need by his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you believe that? Well, some of you do. Okay. Yeah, that's what he said. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Now, the question is, how is he going to do that? I mean, is he just going to rain it down out of heaven? You know, you're going to be like me and say, well, praise God, just shall live by faith. It's on its way, baby. Well, it might be on its way, but you might have something to do with it being on its way. In other words, you got to do what your hand can find to do. Are you with me? In order for God to have something to work. Yeah, he can speak to somebody and say, you know, um, give this person some money or whatever the case might be because they have a need. But that is the exception, not the rule. Are you with me? And if he does that, it has a specific purpose in, in the mind of God. But if you think that you're just going to, you know, everybody's just going to give to you, you're wrong. You're mistaken. Are you with me? And sometimes people are misled that way. So the reality is it's going to come through the work of my hands. In other words, I'm going to put my hand to something and God's going to have to take that and multiply it or grow it or do something, you know, and make it better. In other words, I got to hustle. Okay. I have to be the, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. You say, well, I don't like that very much. Well, that's the problem. You know, a lot of times people come into the kingdom of God and they hear these promises that God has made, what, did he's, what he's done in redemption and things like that. And they say, hallelujah, man, I've been tired. I don't want to do this stuff anymore anyway. But they miss the whole point. Are you with me? So, my experience. Again, how are we doing? Gosh, it's 8 o'clock already. Um, when we went to Rhema, um, in 1977, um, I, I've told you the story how I miss God and I don't have time to unpack all that. And so we suffered because I said, I can't when the Bible says I can. So don't ever say you can't. You, you might have to say like Mary, I don't understand how this can work. 
He'll take that, okay? But if you say, nah, nah, forget it. That's like Thomas, dude. You know, I missed the whole boat, and we suffered because of it. And I made very little money. And I could only, you know, uh, I'd go to school in the morning, and then i work from 1 till 9 o'clock, and then i come home and study, and then I would, you know, collapse, get back up and do it all over again five days a week, okay? Well, when we got out of school, um, you know, we're, we're, it, things are pretty lean. We came back here. Brian was on his way. And uh, I needed to go to work. I wanted my wife to be able to stay home. And even though she was very competent, capable, you know, of of taking a job and things, that's what we chose to do as far as our family is concerned. Um, um, And especially back then in the 70s, there was more and more pressure being applied to married couples to have to have dual income, you know. And um, so but anyway, so. When we got home, I worked two jobs, and uh, because um, I probably I don't know I don't we were so far behind I wanted to get I wanted to get up on top of this thing we didn't have a place to live, um, and so uh, uh, we were staying with our folks for about six weeks and six weeks of that is plenty. Hallelujah. And they were so good and so kind. You know we were in the basement they really didn't bother us at all. But you know you sh- how many of you know you need your own space. You know, so anyway, um, we did that for about six weeks. But so I worked these two jobs. I worked for my brother-in-law from six to two thirty. I'd come home and I'd paint houses or anything. I'd paint your car for you if you wanted me to. Might not look too good, but I'd do it for money. I'll do anything for money. Hallelujah, because we needed money. You know, I can't go to the grocery store and buy it with my good looks. I got to have money. You, you understand that? So. Uh, that was, we graduated in May and in June, you know, started working, doing this uh, whole thing. And, uh, <clears throat> and then uh, the Lord spoke to me in November of that year and January uh, of 79, we started the church. So now I'm working two jobs and I'm pastoring a church that I don't even know how to pastor. Okay. Don't forget that part. I went to school for nine months, learned a little theology and I'm supposed to know how to administrate, watch, oh, man, it was a it was quite a deal. Hallelujah. I mean, God, I mean, he, he, he has to have a sense of humor. Hallelujah. But away we went. And then I gave one up. And then in March of that year, the Lord told me to go full time. And I did that. And that's a whole other story in, in and of itself. But, uh, um, but I guess I, uh, my point to that is, is that you got to do whatever it is you got to do. We bought a dump. It wasn't fit to live in. I tell you what, my father-in-law had a whole lot more vision than I did, you know. I mean, it was a mess. I, I got to get some. Do we have any of them pictures? We got to get some of them pictures. Anyway, so it wasn't fit to live in, you know. So I couldn't be the person who said, well, you know, after all, praise God, I'm a person of faith, and if I can't get myself a house it's you know, everything I want it to be, then I ain't going to do it. Well, I can tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go live in a van down by the river, Okay. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. And you know what we did? We went out there. We ended up buying this place, and we started mowing the weeds that were this high. And the house, I mean, it was a disaster, you guys. The inside, we got pictures of her, you know, down, I mean, in these holes trying to clean this place up. I mean, it was a dump. But that's what we had. So that's what we did. And we made that house a home. 
Now, we built on to it. You know, our families continued to grow and different things of that nature. And we built on and did some different things that way and, and whatnot. And little by little, didn't come all at once, a little bit by little, praise God, we advanced. And, um, you know, and, and people don't get that. You know, you use your faith where you are and you move on from there. Now we live in a nice home. And I remember when we built the house 20-some years ago. And, I mean, you should have heard all the commotion about us building this house. My God. Well, now our house is kind of small compared to everybody else's, you know. Not that it really matters. But, you know, that's the vision we had. That's what our, the desire of our heart. And so that's what we did. And, by golly, you know, we, 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 we came by the money honestly, you know. So shut up. You understand where I'm coming from? Well, a preacher ought not. Why not? That's another thing. You know, you don't ever want to apologize for being a believer, and that's a whole other subject, and it's already 806. But I'm just saying, you guys, you belong to him, and you're a child of the living God, and you don't have to apologize for nothing. You know, if he said he would give you the desires of your heart, and I tell you what, it's kind of like a Yodi, you know, he's got this thing. If you can dream it, we can build it. Well, I tell you what, if you can dream it, God will get it for you because he's not opposed. Where did he take the nation of Israel? Out into a desert someplace and say, okay, it's all yours. See what you can figure out what to do with it. No, he took them to Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey and all of these things, you know, and talking about, you know, houses that you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to give it all to you. Why? Because that's the kind of God he is. Are you listening to me? So, again, don't, don't, don't get too stirred. You, you have to fight for it. You know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of people, you know, and, and um, they want to, well, I think a big part of it is they're jealous more than anything. You know, just don't, don't, don't bother yourself about it. Don't trouble yourself about it. Just stay happy. Hallelujah. Live wherever you want to live. Now, hopefully you don't live in a van by the river, but you know what I'm saying. I, I guess uh, I got to close because we're done. I hope this has been of some benefit to you. You just have to make your own application of it in your own personal life. But listen, here's, here's how I'll finish. There is a path to victory for, your, for you. There's a path to victory. You know, I mean, everywhere in the scriptures, Jesus just said, follow me and I will lead you into my blessing for your life. And I hope that you believe that, praise God. But you just, we have to find out what that is. We got to walk it out. Hallelujah. I'm glad I didn't throw up my hands and say, God, you know, you're letting me down, you know, and you didn't do this, you didn't do that. I, thank God I'm not that way. But people are. You know, something happens in their life. They've had a failing. Something went sideways on them. And they want to assign blame. You guys, don't do that. It'll destroy your faith. You know, uh, you may not understand it. But, but, but don't take it up in your thought life. Because it, it does nobody any good. That's not, that's not God. It's not faith. It's, it, it, it will hurt you. It will, it will harm you. It won't do you any good. You know, and some things, and I realize that there are some things that happen in our lives that are very hurtful. They're very painful. People say things, people do things, you know, and all of a sudden you're in a battle and you don't like to be there. It's kind of like working in the grocery store, but you're where you're at 
And so God wants you to win that battle, pass that test, get through it so that the blessing of God can be yours on the other side. Does that make sense to you? All right, let's stop there. I think that's good enough. Why don't you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Praise God. Am I in trouble over the ice cream thing? Okay, good. I didn't think I'd be in trouble. Sometimes I get in trouble. Sometimes I, I, I say things I probably shouldn't. No, no, not probably. I say things I should not say. And then, so, then I, you know, it's like that saying, you know, it's easier to uh, ask for forgiveness than permission. That's not a very wise thing to do either, but anyway. Bow your heads with me. Father, we love you so much, and um, I'm so grateful you've given us your word. And just as, your, just as the Bible says, Father, God, I pray that each and every one of us will be filled with the knowledge of your word in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God, help us to make an application of these things that we've talked about tonight to our own personal lives. And Father, I just want to thank you for this growing church and the people in it growing to advance the kingdom of God and make a difference in the world in which we live. Thank you, Lord, for courage and boldness in these last days for the believer, for the child of God. Thank you, Father God, for using our tongue as the pen of a ready writer. And God, may we always have reason to be able to give reason for the hope that is within us. And I just thank you, Father God, for your blessing, your grace on every person's life. Father, uh, the needs that are represented in the lives of those that are here gathered and perhaps watching online. God, I'll, I pray that you'll uh, unpack this thing for each and every one of them in a, in a way that they, they understand how it applies to their lives. And I just thank you for your mercy, your goodness, and your divine grace, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.